Welcome to the show. My name is Alex. Lizzie, what was that all about? <laughs> Let's try that again. Welcome to the show. My name is Alex. And I'm Lizzie. And welcome to What is From Cast. We are talking season one, episode two, the way things are. And if you are looking for answers, if you're looking for deep dives, then you came to the right place. Because we are taking a look back on our rewatch and our second week of our rewatch. So, how the heck are you, Lizzie? Oh, I'm good. How about you? I'm good. And folks, if you guys love the podcast, you can always hit that subscribe button, whether you're watching on YouTube or on the regular podcast platform. Wherever you get your podcasts. Wherever you get your podcasts. Sunday is from day, so that's when we are releasing every Sunday. Hopefully, we can keep you guys ready for the big season three premiere, whenever that is, because despite what everybody thinks, we have no idea when it's going to come out. All we know is they're filming and they're freezing their little pajungas off. I just saw a picture of Hannah all con- you know, bundled up and are curled up in a chair on set. And it, it's just been, it's been a lot of fun to see the behind the scenes. And I'm really thankful that they're doing a lot of these behind the scene things. Yeah, I think it, that's great. I'm very excited about it. I'm loving seeing anything. And, you know, typical to see a young kid curled up in the their director's chair <laughs> like that. Absolutely. Um, Folks. Oh yeah, please go. Saying it, you know, I, I'm, I imagine that they're busy. I hope they are, and they're. I think Liz Saunders was posting something that they were having some pretty bad weather up there, and production was trying to hunker down, so to speak, while she was in the trailer. But folks, if you notice on the video, I have my nice little Frumley shirt. If you'd like to buy one, you can always go to our Etsy store on the What Is From. Etsy store. We've got mugs and shirts and all sorts of good stuff and yeah. and personalized bracelets as well, I hear. That's the the rumor going around town. Lizzie, what is what was your first thoughts of this episode? I just have to say, I spent six hours last night watching it because I was writing up this summary for you. Looks like you have a megaphone attached to your face. Yeah, it was called a really big glass of water. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Charlotte. So the thing about it, like you would think after six hours that I would have, you know, been over it, gotten bored. And it's just, I'm surprised at how into this I am, how excited I am about it. What's really funny is I I love going on like different YouTube channels talking about the the show and like the first time that they watched it, you know, like last, like two years ago. And everybody pretty much says the same thing. They're like, this show is not, but what the hell is this show? And I just love that everybody says the same exact thing because we're still trying to figure it out 
three years I, later. I don't know because I feel like after the amount of time I spent with it last night, I don't know. I I'm getting ideas. I'm having thoughts and feelings about it. And I need to really, I am trying to really organize them. So I, I will say there is a lot of foreshadowing yeah. in this episode. And, yeah. you know, folks, it's one thing to watch the episode over and over again and just casually watch it. But if you really listen to or take it not frame by frame, but scene by scene, you do end up getting a lot of really cool stuff. And I, I can't wait. And I can't wait to start diving into it. So yeah. that said, let's start from that cold open. What I love about this this episode is how they sandwich Kenny on both ends. Yeah, they they do a forward and a back, and and, and I don't know what exactly the 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 term is called, but I just love how they have him chopping on some wood. He's all bloody. You know, stuff went down. And you're you're wondering what happened because when we left off in the first episode, it was a, you know, downpour night, you know, with the monsters out in droves and everybody holed up in their special spot. And all of a sudden we're getting the Jack Shepard point of view and, you know, looking up at the trees and we hear popping and we see Kenny wailing away on a tree and he's covered with blood. Absolutely. Just have to ask yourself what the hell happened. And now right after the, the opening credits, we find out what happened. I'm going to be kind of silly and ask you, what's the Jack Shepard point of view, please? Oh, you didn't watch Lost. I never watched Lost, so please. Okay. So when the show opens up, we're opening up on Jack's eye. And Jack is laying on his back. And he's looking straight up. That's what we're seeing is we're looking up at the trees. They're above us. So that's that's where the Jack Shepard point of view came from. Okay. I'm glad that we cleared that up because I didn't know what that meant in the notes, but I love the fact that the Jack Shepard point of view really does make the scene. And well, then they go in and it's after oh, a sorry. plane crash, right? And things are like crashed here. We our Matthews family does not know which way is up. So then they go into the the show, Kesara Sara, and we talked about that last episode. And again, I can't. What I found funny was when I watched the opening again for the hundredth time that, or actually watched it, you yeah. get a lot of stuff in there. Like yeah. even the first episode, they had his crutch in that in one of those shots. Mm-hmm. And and again, I I'm still picking stuff up. So folks, when you're looking at me and or you're listening to me and you're like. Yeah, Alex, I know. I'm a little slow on the uptake here. It's only been a couple of years. It's one of those things where you notice something different every time. And it's been, I think I said last week, at least two years since I saw these episodes for the first time. And then a year. Oh, there goes that. (laughs) 
and we have our own little technical difficulties here because who knows the monsters could be here who knows smiley may want to stop by it's been a year since you know we've done our rewatch and so i'm looking at things with a definitely a different eye a more in-depth eye and i'm wondering some of this stuff i'm like didn't i notice this the first time around but i can't remember so we're, we start off in the RV and it's pouring out and we hear the monsters whispering around them. And right. we've got, we've got Boyd and Christy who are just like, okay, they're here. We know we, we can't do anything to let them in. And then there's Jim who's saying, Hey, the townspeople came to help us. And, you know, they're here to help us. They came out here. And Boyd is, they ain't here to help us. (laughs) That is not what's going on. And so, Boyd, and not Boyd, Jim just doesn't understand what the reticence is about letting these people. Wait, what's that word? Reticence. Okay. Reticence. I never said it. No, Um, I just, I thought maybe it was a word that I just wasn't, I want to make sure. Yeah. It wasn't me. It's me. It's not you. That's okay. I don't always pronounce words properly, but when I do, it's like magic. You're a writer, so I know you like to try to give me a hard time with some really (laughs) cool words. But yeah, no, I mean, like... I want to hear how it... Let's see. If I can get it to play. What's that? Reticence. Reticence. Oh, okay. Good old reticence. Okay. Not reticence. I'm like, I'm reticent. I don't know. But Jim doesn't want to believe them because this is not normal. If you're if you've been in a crash and you hear people around they're you, there to help. They're there to help you. But the only thing that Boyd and Christy can think is we've got to keep this guy busy so he doesn't turn around and let the you know these monsters in. And they're just, you know, they're just knocking on the walls. It's kind of like you got to remember the undercarriage is here. Yeah. Uh, one of the sides with the windows is on top of them. Oh, then yeah. It's, windows it's... below them. You know? Oh, not yeah. to mention. Wait, not to mention. Oh, yeah. His kid is seizing during this whole thing. Yeah. Like he's. I, I'm just he's saying, to so add another layer of all of this. Yeah, there's a lot going on. And I mean, that just adds to the urgency for Jim. My kid is in, you know, is having seizures and these people are here to help us. And yet these other two people are the crazy ones. And then they're right. saying, no, they've got to stay out. Because, you know, in what world does this make sense other than from Bill? Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it is the wackiest world of all. But yeah. yeah, I just love how Boyd is so calm. He's not and, getting excited. And the other thing is, he really knows how to read Christy. He's yeah. just, you know, breathe. Yep. Keep just breathe. We're going to be fine. Stay Keep focused. You know, just focus on the job. And a real leader knows how to do that. And I just loved every second of it but you know they didn't know if the the talisman was going to work no they had to hope that it would Um, there was a there was a lot of hopes and dreams going on yeah and it's interesting because 
you put it at one window or door and it protects the whole structure. It's not like you have to put one on every side. So they're there and it's got its quiet tenseness going on. And then we go to the folks trying to run up a hill to Colony House in the pouring rain. And, you know, it's don't look at anybody. Don't stop for anybody. Just keep going. And it's like Kenny and Katri and Ellis are herding cats on the you way think? up. Here. Yeah. You know, because Julie's running along with, with Kenny for a second. Then she turns around and she's home and runs back to her mother and pulls her up with them. So it's Kenny and Tabitha. And, and then Ellis Jade friggin' falls and collapses well, yeah, in a hall. Into this big pit of mud. Right? I know. And <laughs> is back with him. And then Ellis goes running back. You motherfucker. Come on. Come on. Right? His proclivities were all out of whack there. Oh, my God. My proclivities is to lie face down in a pile of mud in the pouring rain. Oh. I just love it. But. I mean... And then Kenny actually yells, leave him. Leave I know. Him. I, I'm like, oh, okay. And Jade is, I mean, he was a liability before because he was high. And now he's unconscious. So he's just a solid liability. And at this point, folks, when we're watching this the first time, our love for Jade was not exactly we were on not the there. high end. We're like, he's a red shirt in Star Trek. He is totally I gone. I hate that bastard. Exactly. I hate him. I hate him. <laughs> anyway, then we go mm-hmm. and we get an interior shot of we get an interior shot of the colony house. And yeah, everybody's just guy, doing their own thing. Yeah, everybody's having a guy fun. Playing an organ. There's another guy, this old guy token up. Like I thought his face was going to go up in a fireball. There's someone just sitting on the couch with their feet up, enjoying that organ music. And everyone else is just hanging out. And we actually, we get a shot of Trudy walking by the staircase. And then this woman, she's just walking through the room and decides to open the curtains and look out. Yeah, and I guess she. It sounded like she. It seemed like she like heard something. Yeah, but and then all of better than to look out the window. Yeah, but that wasn't normal. Like, but it could. Was... It could have been like they can't trust those monsters. I mean, I yeah, they tend to be very calm and low key and not in a rush to do anything. But it, I would think that they would do anything to get them to come outside. You know, yeah. if they can't mesmerize them directly they have to get them within eye shot so that they can hypnotize them but she looks out the window and she's there's runners on the hill and the thing is the monsters don't run wherever they're going they're walking you know they've got their good rockport shoes on and they're out for their evening stroll and so she goes to the staircase and she starts ringing that bell like the house is on fire Absolutely. Yeah. And that was pretty cool. Yeah. What, you know what's kind of a neat thing? That uh-huh. both Colony House and the town have their own bell. Yeah. I mean, well, it's not really that big of a deal. Not but the same bell, though. They're not no, the I know. kind of bell. No, no, I understand that. But I'm just, it's just interesting that they do have a bell. Yeah. I mean, Boyd just walks around have? and says, hey, it's time to go in. That's what right. they do with their bell. 
And at the colony house, the bell is an alarm. And so everyone comes running. And it, the thing about this woman, I was like, oh my gosh, is this Clara? And I was like, did they film the pilot episode, you know, like way ahead, got the approval and then came back and filmed the rest of the show. But I don't think they did that at all because even if they did, Katarina's hair would not have grown that fast unless it was extensions. And that woman didn't look like Katarina, like her face. Right. No, it wasn't Katarina. No, it was the kerchief. I would probably wear a kerchief most of the time. So then we're outside Colony House and they're still making their way. And Julie is pulling Tabitha along and Kenny is just pushing Tabitha along. And he tells them not to look back. And then Fatima runs to a window um, while the bell is ringing. And she, you know, she sees that the people are out there and she goes to tell the guy with the rifle at the door to let them in. And he says, they're not our people. Right. How did you take that meaning? I took that as their town people that got caught and they made their choice. So that is the choice that they made. Oh, I think that it's kind of, it was a weird situation because I think he thinks the way you were thinking about the monsters. What do you mean? That, meaning that they're pot, they could do anything. But he's also trying to follow his own rules. You know, Donna says it's we Donna's the, rules. It's Don, whatever Donna says goes. Yeah. Donna we trust, and he wasn't thinking clearly. And I think Donna actually says when she comes down the stairs, she's let him in, put the gun down, open the door, oh. and all of it. And he didn't want to do it. No. He was reluctant. And the thing is, there's a couple of things that are said in this episode where I had to stop and think. And one of them was they're not our people. And it could have been those are just monsters, you know, trying to fool us. Or Or it's it's the town and we have no allegiance to them whatsoever. And that is kind of scary when you think about it, that he's basically an automaton that can't think for himself. And God help him if he got stuck down in the town and needed to go in someplace. But see, I think fear does a lot of things to people. And you revert back to what you know. And in this case, what do you know? The rule. We don't, the, the rule is we don't open the door. After dark. And he just kind of freaked out. And that's okay. Because it all worked out in the end. Yeah. But as before they do open that door, something interesting happens. And I like to call it the porch monsters. Oh, Um, wait a minute. No, hold on a second. Um, Oh, no? Because we're not there yet. So we were. Nope. Um, You know, Fatima is screaming in his face. Ellis is out there. Yes. And that was the other thing that really bothered me about this guy. he would not, he, he did not have that thing. To, he couldn't make an executive, you know, decision. Donna had to make it for him. So then we're back outside and we've got the group, the six of them are at the door and they're all yelling. And Ellis is like, 
you know, open the door, Donna, open the door, Julie screaming, we need your help, you know, and Alice is just like, Donna, 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 Donna can hear him. And this is when she comes flying down the stairs and she's open the fucking door. You know, idiot, right? And you can hear Katri calling Donna's name and calling to her. And the guy reminds her, the guy is, but you said we don't open the door after dark, you know, and no one comes in. And she's, are you really going to let those people die? I know. You know, like, like he's not a thinker. He's your definite, like, your, your soldier. soldier. But basically what we get out of that is Donna is the boss. What Donna says goes. So then we're on the porch and everyone's banging on the door, begging to be let in. And then all of a sudden, like Ellis sees them come around the corner and it's six monsters. And we've got the teen boy in front, the bride, some undistinguishable woman, a man in a suit and hat. And then there's a woman next to him. And then there's the milkman. And so when we're looking at the teen boy, he is like your teen heartthrob. And we know we've, we know this because we've seen enough of the monsters. They're all in like period clothing of the sixties. Right. And so I'm looking at this kid and he's waving at her and at Julie. And it's weird how he's waving. He's, he's, yeah, he's waving at her like this, like he can't speak, but his I'm head's turned. At and his hair is just kind of flopped over his, his forehead and it looks kind of hot. You know, I mean, they're soaked. And I'm looking at the clothes, and with it being soaked, he looks like any kid we'd see rolling around a high school now, right? Right. But also, if he was dried off, his clothes would be 60s appropriate, you know? And he says, and the thing that gets me is Tabitha sees Julie migrating towards him, and Tabitha says, don't look at that. What did Tabitha mean by that? How does she know that it's a that? That's a good question. Don't look at that. It could have just been, I mean, there's two ways of looking at it. It could have been just the way she, I don't know. Unless she meant don't get distracted by that. Yeah. Um, I mean, and I say this. It could have gotten "quote unquote" lost in translation because she's got. You, oh, I thought you had a hand behind your shoulder. It's I behind do. How is your folks, hand? Folks, a little bit later, I'm going to be doing hand puppets for yeah. YouTube. But yeah, oh yeah, it does look like it is my. Sh- oh my god, that's yeah, so weird. It, it looks really weird. There's a monster back there. So the uh, no, but was- I think it might be like a, almost one of two things. One, there's more to it than you think, as you normally think. Yeah. Or two, it could be lost in translation the way she says things. Yeah. Or it just could be that as a whole. Don't look over there. Yeah. Or just and don't so, look at that. Get over here. Yeah. Yeah. And he oddly says, he addresses her by name, Julie, don't you recognize me? Julie. And, and that's creepy, right? What was creepy was it makes you go right back to the first episode with the little girl, Megan. Yeah, exactly. I mean, so, these monsters are no joke. They're playing on it. They're not playing with a. They're not playing with a, uh, a normal deck. They're playing with a rigged deck. Yeah, and so Kenny realized that 
realizes that that Julie's been sucked in. So he comes, he pulls her back and shoots the guy, the kid, and it hits him in the shoulder. And all With he nothing. does is he's like this, and then he gives him a smirk. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You know? So that that whole scene, this is our first really up close look at all of these monsters. And we're like, holy shit, guns don't work. And I remember the first time I saw that, I was like, ooh, what are we going to do now? You know? Yeah, we don't have any silver bullets because we don't need them. No. So then the door opens and they all go flying in. And an unconscious Jade is just dumped on the stairs. And Katri stands over him. And Donna immediately starts in with, get on your knees, get on your knees. I love this. I love this. Why do you love it? Because as crazy as it is, she still has, she's like Boyd in the sense of. We'll be right back. Ever wondered what it takes to make it in the movie business? Peel back the curtain with 4-6 Success Filmmaking. 4-6 Success Filmmaking is where filmmakers share their stories and the secrets. It's beyond competitive out there. There have been movies that it's taken me 10 years to get made. Don't wait to create. Like, you've got to just keep making stuff. Tune in to 4-6 Success Filmmaking for your dose of cinematic realness, direct from the voices that have lived it. Okay, so Alex has frozen. Uh, (laughs) Okay, you froze too. So as I was saying, what I found really fascinating was she was the calm of this whole situation. And she stayed within the protocol. Because she knows more than anybody how people freak out. Yeah. And unfortunately, you know, she's one of the few people that has had to come into this world at night. So you add that on top of it. And then if you put your whole mole theory on top of it, which I'm not going there, but I just love that whole chaos of it all and how Ellis is, but Donna, these people are good. I vouch for them. No, we have a protocol. Yeah, we tie your hands. And they're like, what are you doing? We didn't do anything. And it's like they're in trouble. And they're trying to explain what I love about both Boyd and Donna, or just the people in from other than the Matthews people, is they all know something, but they're trying not to say what it is because it's a little batshit crazy. And I've always been that kind of person that can pick up on when people are like looking and talking and stuff like that. And there's like another thing going on. And it wasn't that they made it, you know, unobvious because it was so obvious. It was just, you know, both Donna, I should say Colony House and Boyd and and Christy. And it's pretty clear that there's something else going on. We're not telling you. Yeah. (laughs) So I just I, I not that I loved it as much as I just thought it's just classic. It's where I first started our love of Donna. I just. I just find her so fascinating 
this episode, you know, the first episode, all we don't really see anything from her. Not much. We, we see stuff, being, but she's like being a jerk. Yeah, like you kind of think she's a jerk. And we know she's like a little bit brusque, you know. But in this episode, we get to see a lot. We don't see everything about her, but we do get to see a lot about her. And the thing is, they don't know these people. And one thing we keep hearing over and over again, everyone acts differently on their first night. You know? Right, we right, know right. Everybody does act do. differently. Yeah. And the thing and- is, they could lo- all lose their lives by letting someone in and not knowing how they're going to. And all of the this. bottom line is, you know, they have a protocol for a reason and it fails them down the road, just like it failed the Maggie. I'm sorry. Who's the girl? Megan. Megan. Yeah. It failed Megan and his mom and her mom. Yeah. You know, there's a reason why there's protocols. Yeah. So that's why we really have to look at this stuff. And Donna doesn't do this because she wants to. No, she Boyd isn't doing this. Boyd isn't telling Megan, you need to go in and listen to your mother because he feels like it. Yeah. 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 And, And the thing is, like this, I mean, look at it from Tabitha and Julie's point of view. This is scary horror movie stuff. You know, like literally (laughs) we get picked up like we're separated from our dad and husband and our, you know, brother. And, you know, we're running up this hill in the rain and it's everyone is, you know, really run. And we don't know why we're running. We're just running because they're telling us to. And then we get into this house and they're like, get on your knees, tie them up. You know, see, this is what I find fascinating. And, And something Donna says last year. I should say last season, which really applies to this. You know, she was saying it. I forget exactly who she was saying it to. And it might even been to Boyd or or someone else. And they're like, she was like, yeah, they think, you know, Colony House is just this crazy hippie, no rules type place. We're a community just like you are in the town. And we have different rules. But you know what? The, the, the same rules apply. The same protocols still apply. Right. We just do it in a different way. You know, right. we're a colony house. We, you know, have people having sex on the bed. I mean, on the couch, you know, where you in guys are room. whatever versus, you know, you everybody has their own little deal in the town. I just think that there are rules in this world and we just have to learn how to find them. Yeah. All right. So we go back to the RV and things have gotten quiet. And Jim questions, starts questioning Boyd. And he's, so you said that they aren't people. So what are they? And, you know, that's, if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's a duck. But Boyd, we don't know. But we do know that these talismans will protect us. If we hang it in a window and close all the windows and doors, they can't get in. We don't know why it works. We just know that it does. And Jim says, but that's impossible. I don't know if you're there or not, but I'm going to keep going. Jim says, that's impossible. And Boyd is, it is impossible. We're all dealing with this. It's Boyd is telling him one thing and, you know, and then agreeing to what Jim is saying. So, This is the thing that I kind of found interesting. 
Christy asks if Ethan is prone to seizures. And Jimmy right. said, nope, never had it before. This has never happened before. And then Christy and Boyd exchange this knowing glance. Like I saw like, that. Check. And it made me wonder, is this the start of a normalization for Ethan to this area? He has the seizure and it kind of tunes him in, right? It bounces his brain around a little bit and tunes him in to this new place. And then it makes you ask, is he special? If that's what's happening, is he special? If so, what's so special about him? So Christy, you know, explains it away like it could be, you know, trauma from the accident. It just could be his body's response to this injury, all of that. Ethan wakes up. Christy gives him a sedative and it's like night to Ethan, right? Then we go back to the colony house and there's this nice little scene where Ellis is putting Jade to bed, straps him down, right? Oh, and, I love this scene. Yeah, this is great. And Trudy comes in and she's just so beautiful. Oh, he's so handsome. Finally, my prince has come. Look at that watch. Did Wait, you see I, I, that watch? I love her line. He's handsome even with blood on his face. <laughs> I know, right? She doesn't care. And I'm like, I wonder whose clothes she's wearing because now she's changed from what she was wearing on the first floor to she's wearing something else on the second floor. And we get a close up look at Jade's watch and it says 1215. Right. Is it 1215? Did it stop at 1215 in the afternoon? Or did it, is it keeping time and now it's 1215 at night? Right. And I don't even know that it means anything, right? All I know is I wish, you know, that's one of the few actors that we haven't gotten on, Cynthia uh, Jimmes Hicks. I would love to talk to her because she yeah. just seems like she would be so much fun. And I love plus, her. Plus, she's been on Harry Potter on Broadway. I, know. I, we, I wouldn't know that, but I love this Trudy character. I think yes. she's got a, an interesting comedic beat in the show which i, I, I think they made a mistake i think they made a mistake yeah by killing her off yeah. because she, they could have had a lot of fun with her and she could have gotten herself into some good jams yeah comic relief jams i'm saying yeah exactly all right i had this question too because jada's leave his watch alone neither one of us have any need for a watch leave it alone right and I'm thinking they do keep track of time because in the first episode, you know, it's two hours to sunset, then it's 40 minutes of daylight left, right? So they are keeping track of time. And I'm wondering with the cold weather setting in at the end of season two, and we know that they're filming in winter, will it be night all the time? And if so, Oh my God. And if it is night, then they got another problem. Forget the monsters. They've got a food issue. I know, right? They it's already have a food me. issue. 
Yeah, they'll. Yeah, it won't last for long. That's although you know, you know, somebody in Colony House knows how to do some. Was it hydroponic pot growing? Someone so. will know how to do that, or you know, create a little. Well, Fatima is the one that brought the the weed in. Yeah, yeah, but it just it would make like because this would be like trying to squeeze them out of the house. If they've yeah. gotten, because that was 96 nights they went without a fatality, right? That's not good for those monsters. You know, like they were just like, finally, you know, when this night they basically begged Sarah to leave the door open, right? So that they could have a meal. But if they're getting better, if they got better at not being killed every night, because they found those talismans, they've got to get people to leave those houses at night. And the only way to do it would be to make it night 24 hours. But I'm going to go back to this statement, which I said before, not tonight, but in the previous podcast, there's another entity. So the way it works is you've got the people our people. Right. You've got the monsters. And then you got the squirrely things. Then the you man got the big in the boss. Sky. Yeah. You got the man in the sky. And we're going to talk we, about We've also got the dogs and we've got the boy in white. And now we've got those little kids like But my point being is there is something there's layers above yeah, the monsters that layers. we have to worry about. Yeah. There's definitely layers. The monsters could be just as, as, I mean, I know this sounds kind of silly, but the monsters could be another group. And again, I know I'm going on a total island here, but they could just be another, for lack of a t- another term, race of the creatures that yeah. live in this world. And they just happen to do what they do. I'm not here to, yeah. you know. But I'm really fascinated with to see how they're going to implement or tie the, the kids and the symbol and the uh, the monsters. Because the monsters kind of are incidental right now. In the, not right now in this episode, but in the future. Yeah. So, yeah. anyway. So, now we're up in Donna's room. And Tabitha has her hands tied behind her back and she's sitting in a chair and and Donna comes in and all Tabitha wants is, understandably, is my daughter okay? And Donna says, she's good. She's fine. And Donna goes around, you know, she's, you know, getting things ready to have this conversation with Tabitha and apologizes. She's going to understand everything really soon. And she assures her a second time, Julia's good, Julia's fine. And I'm like, why say it that way, you know? So Tabitha gets untied. She tries to make a run for the door. She opens the door. There's another guy with a rifle. And they leave the door open. Donna gets her back in. And they sit there. And Donna says, you know what? None of this makes sense yet. But these are precautions we have to take. And this is another reference to the protocol. We don't know you. Everyone acts differently on the first night. And everyone in this town, in this house, has been 
right where you are right now. Everyone has been in this position, which is really kind of scary. If you're Tabitha, what are you thinking? What do you mean everyone has been in this position? What is going on? Like it just adds to that. And then you can't see your kid, you know, and where did they take her? And, you know, we're in this weird place. And Donna is, you'll see her, but first we've got a chat and you need to know about the way things are now. And And I love what she says to her, how she starts it off. This will be the worst conversation Conversation of your life. life. I just love that line. I just love it. Tabitha is like, I doubt it. I've already lost my infant son. So I don't think this will be the worst conversation of my life. You know, but then Donna says, do you believe in monsters? I know. And the strange thing is, yeah. All right. This is like my, I don't know, sixth, seventh time seeing the episode, right? Overall. Every single time I completely forgot that Tabitha says to Ethan, monsters aren't real in the first episode. Yep. And then Donna looks at her and says, do you believe in monsters? I know. Anyway, then we go down to the colony house kitchen and poor Julie is just sitting in this room by herself with her hands tied and her hands are behind the back of the chair on top right. of it. So she is defenseless and just very exposed, you know. And in comes Victor. We meet Victor for the first time. And he comes in with his Victor energy like, I'm a little bit odd. I look kind of weird compared to other people. Like I'm acting kind of weird. And he's just in there looking for some peaches, you know, and he's, you know, he walks right up to her, stands over her, reaches down behind her. Yeah, it's kind of creepy. Yeah, that is very scary. And, you know, he's just walking. He's, you know, sometimes I, I don't get to get the peaches, but, you know, Donna will look the other way sometimes. And this is all about Donna managing people in a crisis environment right you cannot be rigid sometimes you have to look the other way and so he talks about the two cars and we have two different conversations about the two cars because jade and trudy are like can you believe two cars showed up in the same day that has never happened before. And then Victor, like two scenes later, is, you know, that hasn't happened in a long time that two cars have shown up on the same day. And Julie's just like looking at him the whole time. Like she's not saying anything to him. And Fatima comes in, right? Because yeah, I love this. He gets too close to her and then Fatima comes in and and she's Victor, you know, the rules, you know, get your peaches and go, you know, get out of here, get your peaches and go back. Yeah. Just shoo. And the thing that kind of surprised me about Fatima is that she seems to be very, she has compassion for people. And I really didn't like, I mean, it was apt, 
but I didn't like that she said this, that he's creepy, but he's harmless. I mean, I think because he, he is. is. Oh, no, but I mean, she's a woman. Yeah. She's a, she's, you got this teenager who is tied up, doesn't know where she is. And she's probably, you know, she's closer to her age than Donna's age, for lack of a better yeah. term. And she's, yeah. yeah, he's a little creepy, but he's harmless. You know, yeah. just don't worry about it. He's, it'll be fine. I mean, I, I wanted her to finish, to follow it up with, he's really nice. That's okay. what I wanted her to say. But Fatima also is, you just have to focus on the good things here. Like, don't look at those monsters out there that will eat you. Just focus on the good things. And, you know, she tells Julie that she's her proxy and, you know, that means that I'll speak for you and I'll be here for you and all of that stuff. And so she says, you know, I want to show you something, you know, do you want to see it? So they go up to the attic bedroom that Ellis and Fatima share and Julie walks in and she's like looking at all the artwork and she's just amazed, you know? Yeah. It's and, beautiful. Yeah. And Fatima says, you know what? And this to me sounded creepy. I bet Ellis would love to draw you. You're so beautiful. And Julie looks at her and she says, that's not funny. And like, we all knew it wasn't a funny line. And we didn't think that Fatima was teasing her, but you have to think about what Julie's life has been. Oh really. yeah. She has no idea who these people are. They could be like some, who knows well, what it's it, I know that was, it was kind of creepy. I thought what Fatima said, but the thing is Julie's been living in a house of mourning. No one's paying attention to her. You know, like her mom isn't saying you're not going to wear that out. Are you like her mom isn't doing that kind of stuff. Cause mom she could care less right now. Issues. Yeah. Like the mom is not too, you know, no one, So we're back. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed we left. You, yeah. But but then. So Julie, I mean, Julie beautiful. had some issues. Ju Julie yeah. had some issues and she wasn't getting a lot of attention. Yeah. And, you know, getting that spotlight. This is the beginning of. A beautiful friendship. It's the beginning of the groundwork for next episode. Yeah. I don't even know what it is. I'm not that far yet, but. Fatima starts the education and she's, you have to keep the windows covered at night and it's harder for them to trick you if you can't see them. The problem was Megan opened the window, you know, and moved the curtain. And then the, the old woman just was like, Ooh, dinner. So, <laughs> you know, Fatima is trying to warn her. She's they whisper and they can get in your head. And, you know, like that one said your name, you know, like, they, they can convince you of things. And then this is one of our, you know, one of our favorite things is looking out the window. And right. she says, you know, don't look down, just look straight out. And you can see there's this beautiful crescent moon and there's the, the houses down in the town and all the, the lights are on. And I'm like, oh, I want to draw that with crayon so bad. But she says, 
she wanted her to know that if you climb high enough, that even a nightmare can look like a dream. Because that, that if you just looked at that, it was beautiful, right? Right. So back to the RV, Ethan is stabilized and they're ready to move the leg or get that table leg. I think it was a table leg out of Ethan's leg. And then there's a knock on the RV and a man says, you really should have let us help you. And then there's all these noises around the RV. And the thing that, that kind of gets me is that Jim doesn't totally pick up on the fear and concern that Boyd and Christy are feeling. No, not at all. Like, it, it's almost like he thinks that they're putting on a ruse, you know? Like, he's not very trusting. I understand. And Jim is just, he asks what happens if they get in, and then Boyd doesn't answer and, and he repeats the question and then you can see, hear a bunch of them talking and Jim says, yeah. but you have a gun. And then Boyd says something and we. It, yeah. I don't know what's going on. Are you having problems or is it me? Yeah. It- it just you froze up. Okay. All right. So he says just repeat what a, you said. So he says you have a gun, which you know in America is the great problem solver. And Boyd says, but it won't do any good. And we know it won't do any good, but Jim doesn't know that. And he's and Boyd is you've got to trust me. And Jim is I don't even know you. I mean, this could just be a super elaborate con. Separate the men from the women type thing, even though Christie's there trying to treat Ethan, you know, the big thing is, you know, child slavery and stuff like that. Anyway, like they just hear them talking all around the RV and they can't get in. And so they make sounds like they're trying to get in, like rattling the doorknob. Even Christie is, Oh my God, can they get in? Are we okay? And, you know, knocking on the walls and stuff like that. And, you know, Boyd is just, remember, they're just doing this to get you to do something stupid, right? right. Because your reflex is to go see what's going on. Absolutely. You know, and then next thing you know, you're getting glamored, right? So then we go back to the colony house and Kenny and Katri are talking. And Kenny is pissed about the way Tabitha and Julie were tied up like animals. And, and that they must be scared. And, you know, Kenny is, we don't treat people like this down in the town. And Katri's, hey, we're in a different place. We got to follow their rules type thing. Absolutely. And, you know, Ellis comes in, they exchange a couple of, you know, words. And Kenny gets a little bit snarky with them. And then Ellis digs back at him. And, and it's just that kind of stuff. And... It's kind of weird because they've got strict rules at the colony house, the house of love, right? Yeah, I know. It's kind of fun. And it's strict, but anything else goes. But down in the town, they don't have the strict rules and no one's living in the house of love. So we go to the clinic and we've got Jenny, not Jenny, Gina from Massachusetts, from Boston. Anyway, Boston. 
Gina and Mr. Lou are playing chess and Mr. Lou has some English, but you know, not a lot. And he's talking to her about when they came to America and he would play chess and he didn't have to have English to play because chess is a common language. And it got me thinking that they need to learn a common language with the monsters. Absolutely. And then, you know, he let it slip that Fu Han is Kenny's Cantonese name or Chinese name. And, but Kenny wanted to be Americanized. And then he starts looking around like he's listening to someone talk to him. And I think that they, I don't know, there were voices talking to him, telling him that we're coming there tonight. We're going to have you for dinner. Right. And it's getting dismissed as dementia instead. Let's see. So then we're up on the top floor and Toby's still laying there dead in the bed. And Sarah's, you know, across the room rocking and crying and she's talking and she's saying, I don't want to. I can't do any more. Are you sure? Okay. And then she walks over to Toby and she says, I'm so sorry. And then she pulls the file out of his mouth or out of his neck, which has got his tongue pinned. And then she goes and gets a scalpel and cuts his tongue out. Now, why do you think she cuts his tongue out? I have no idea. There could be a whole bunch of reasons. I mean, what do you think? Loose lips sink ships. No, very good. (laughs) No, but I mean, one, it could be you want to make a point. Two, if he does survive, he can't talk. But they know she's he's already dead because they told her to kill him and make it look like it was but, dead. Yeah, yeah. I maybe that was why the tongue came out. Yeah. I, all I know is that her voices are connected not to the monsters. Okay, so you don't think it has anything to do with them. It has to do with season two. Okay. Because um, she, down the road, and this is a spoiler, I mean, you know... this well, is a it's not re-watch. a spoiler. We know this is a re-watch. But, you know, she does have shit in her arms. Yeah. The same way Boyd did. So, therefore, whatever is in season two, she has in her in season one. Already, yeah. Because it, we know that it's like it says... It says, you know, Red Room, kill the, boy, kill the Boy. Yeah. yeah. So, um, my point being is... I think they're pulling the strings for her and the monsters are doing their thing. And I think he wants whatever the entity is, is trying to make the monsters the scapegoat. Yeah. Yeah. And by taking the tongue out, that may mean something else. But if the monsters eat him. Yeah. There's not. You have to worry about the tongue. That's the thing. They didn't. They didn't even go over and get what was there. And they could have. They just left him. And maybe they don't maybe they don't like dead meat. Yeah, like they have to have live. It has to be live when they go for it. I mean, and the thing is, there's no fun in There's no chase. Yeah, there's no chase there. Then we have this weird scene with Oh, wait a minute. Did I skip Oh, Kenny and Katri are sitting at the kitchen table. And they're just shooting the shit and Alice yeah. is there. And then Alice well, brings Alice doesn't come in 
to that scene. But what oh. Kenny says is, I can't find any more bodies, which we know he will at the end of the episode. Right. Yeah. He's talking about, yeah, he's ready to crack. And he's it's understandable. Enough. I mean, I, you know, we really don't know how old Kenny is. Did we ever determine how old he was? No, we don't know. But we maybe. We get some interesting information, which totally changed what I thought about Kenny, but we get it later in this episode. But there's like this throwaway scene with Ellis and Julie where they meet. Yeah, the most awkward scene in the world. Yeah. Now we go back to Colony House and it's the big talk between Donna and Tabitha. Let me just pull out my Donna dossier. All right. And for those of you that are not watching this, she actually has a folder that says Donna Dossier. Of course, like the picture of the subject always goes right there with a paper and, and every time we say Donna's Dossier, dun, dun 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 dun. All right. At any rate, yeah, exactly. So I I think Tabitha start like it starts with Tabitha saying you're fucking crazy. And I think this is in response to what Donna has said about the monsters and Donna is, you don't know how many nights I have laid here awake, wishing that were true. How many times did you drive down that road today? How many hours did you spend in the car going in a straight line and somehow ended up going in a circle? You saw those things outside. And then Tabitha like, didn't see anything. And it's what? She said, that's what my sister said. That Yeah, that's what my sister said. She was stubborn. How about a drink? Yeah, you need a drink. My sister, she was a real character, not a woman to be trifled with. And I'll tell you that. And then we see this picture of Donna and her sister. They were only out for a hunting trip. Why does she have that little four by six picture of them? It could have been in the car. I mean, is this Gilligan's Island? It is. I don't know. Unless they went to the photo mat that day and picked up pictures. I can't imagine why they would have that. You know, it's the age of cell phones. So unless they stopped at the CVS and took a picture of them with the deer, I'm not sure. But it just, I was like, wait a minute, that's off. So anyway, she's, she'd kick the teeth off a bear if it looked at her sideways. Me and her, we were on a little hunting trip when we saw that tree in the road. And then that catches Tabitha's attention right there because Tabitha's like, how did you know we saw a tree? Everybody yeah. sees a tree. Yeah, everybody sees the And tree. the crows. And those motherfucking crows. You know what? I forgot to bring them in with me, but I bought a murder of crows this week. Oh, that's great. Yes, I'd rather have a uh, raven of unkindness. Yeah, a raven of unkindness. Oh, I never plugged my computer in, so it wants to die. Hold on. One thing after another. All right, sorry about that. Whoops, and there goes the mic. (laughs) While she takes that break, I guess we'll just talk about going to the From Shop and buying a shirt or a hat or maybe even a microphone at this point. And, you know, just go to Etsy and help us out. All right, it's all fine. We've all been in your position, right? It w- But for us, it was right before sunset. We'd already been driving half the day. There was a motel a few miles back. I said, why don't we grab a room, start fresh in the morning when the tree is cleared. But my sister didn't want the deer to spoil. Plus, we'd run out of beer. 
So I'm wondering if it was the sister that was drinking most of the beer too. It was already dark when we got here. First time through, didn't even stop. Saw some folks in the road, drove right by them. They just stood there smiling, right? And it makes me think of when those bus people were standing there and they come up and they're like, hey, shaking the hands and stuff. Second time through, one of them stood in front of the car, wouldn't get out of the way, just stood there smiling. I thought my sister was going to run the son of a bitch over. She never did have much patience for assholes. I know that feeling. Instead, she grabbed a shotgun, got out of the car and started screaming at it, making all sorts of threats because that works for her every single time because she's a bully. But it just stood there smiling. I'll never forget how it stood there so still. And then it ripped her face right off in front of me, ripped it clean off. And then Tabitha looks like she doesn't know what to believe because they haven't seen anything like that. And so then it started skinning her with its hands in the street, just like we used to skin those deer. And it, that got me thinking the difference between her sister and her. And it made me think about, you know, the walking dead, Merle and Daryl. Daryl doesn't take shit. Neither does Donna. And both of their names begin with a D. Okay. All right. And Tom Luce is part of this show. So I think that Donna learned to manage people because she had learned to manage her sister. She's, I couldn't move. I couldn't breathe. I just froze. And then I saw another one coming toward the car. And that's when I ran. I don't know if she was in the car or outside, but she couldn't. I couldn't even tell which direction I ran. They seemed to be everywhere. I found a place to hide, some bushes at the end of the forest. Remember when Boyd and his family show up and right. we see them in those underground places? But we right. also see people running off to bushes and being like, that's my bush, right? Yeah. I crawled into them and hid. That's what people used to do to survive here. And I can't even imagine a bush being so thick that, you know, these monsters wouldn't know that they were there. Wouldn't they be able to smell them or something? I don't know. So there I was crouching in those bushes. And when the blood stopped pounding in my head, I realized I could still hear my sister screaming. They weren't just killing her. They were torturing. Yeah, they were playing with her. Yeah. Those things out there, they like to hunt. They like to play. So they like making it last. And I just left her there. See, you were lucky. The the sun was still in the sky when you got here. People came to help. Not everybody gets that. It's been three years, six months, and 17 days. And I can still hear my sister screaming in my head. So I was wondering, but it doesn't make, I don't know if it makes total sense, but do they do that to people that especially need to be punished? And then it made me think of the Phoebe Rex character getting the rod through her head. She didn't seem like she was bad. She didn't listen to her mom and took off with that guy, but I don't know. But her sister was a bully and a wildlife murderer and serial killer, you know? So I don't know. I don't know. But I loved that conversation. 
It was a great. No, it was great. It was absolutely great. And so then we're back in the RV, and Christy's setting up the IV, and it's in a it jar. The saline, yeah, with the saline, yeah. and yeah, boys. Oh, isn't that usually in bags? And no, we kind of make our own because, and that also goes back to that whole looking, looking at each other between Boyd and Christy. Because they're just having this, they're having this, okay, do we tell him what's going on or not kind of look? like the extent of it. And then they get ready to pull that thing out of his leg, which was absolutely awful. I mean, they really did a great job. I mean, I I went on, I did a live, an Instagram live a day or two ago. And randomly, supposedly somebody from the crew. Yeah. He was one of the cameramen. And he's, yeah, it took us two weeks to do it. And it wasn't a cutout. It was an RV. Yeah. And they didn't just cut the half and whatever. They were in that RV for two weeks yeah. doing that. And that must have yeah. been a nightmare. I've been in an, a small RV, like a camper. When I was working on Doom Patrol, the Brendan Fraser character, before he had his accident, they, you know, he had a little baby. And so they were living in a trailer, like a really small one, you know, and we had the camera in there. I had to be in there. Like the director, the first AD had, it were all like crouched, you know, piled on top of each other. And it's not easy, but sometimes like you have to film like that. I've filmed in a bathroom where, you know, They've got the camera in there and the, you know, my little kid actor, I'm in there, you know, everybody's in there, but there, there are times, definitely times when you have to film like that. And then they start talking a little bit about background stuff because I mean, Jim's, wait a minute, why are they using saline in a jar and how sanitary is that? He asked if she was a doctor and she said, I was a third year medical student. And she's, this isn't the residency that I had in mind, right? And I meant to go, look, is that when they start their residencies in the third uh, year? Do you know? Yeah, third year, they're getting patients. They're, 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 okay. they're, they're definitely touching patients by that time. And, okay. you know, I mean, she was pretty much a doctor at yeah. that point. Um, what I also Convenient, found, right? Well, which is very convenient. Which I, what I also found funny was when she asked him what, he does for a living. He's oh, I'm an engineer. Yeah. And she kind of smirks and he, he's what's wrong. Oh, you're talking about it in the present. And then Boyd is kind of like looking at her, shut up. Yeah. You know, like that kind of, <laughs> but what I find interesting and going back to the whole seizure thing that you were talking about mm-hmm. and Ethan, but let's just go along the lines for one second that Ethan is the key to this whole from. Right. It's just for one second. Yeah. Okay, so. And we're going to talk about that, too. Like, what's that? That is one of the things that we are looking at while we do this. Right. Week. No, I'm just saying, but it, it relates to this scene. Yeah. So Ethan has his seizures, and there's a whole bunch of flashing images. And what are some of those images? 90% of those images, the drawings that he talks about. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. When were there flashing images? When he was having his seizures, there were picture images. Crayon there were? Pic- yeah, there were. I didn't see that. I'm telling you, they were there. And this is the thing. 
But you're not talking about the piece that comes after this scene, are you? No, I am talking about when he has seizures, there's a couple of flashing images along with the images when they're talking about Victor. Yeah. Oh, my God. I didn't even see but, that. Why did, but wait, let why me finish. Something? We wanted to say something. We're doing the rewatch now, folks. You don't um, tell me anything. We were talking about him having the seizures. Wait a minute. Was it in the last episode or this episode? This episode. You never tell me anything. I don't tell you anything because I want to surprise you. I, if this is your idea of surprises, I don't, I don't care for it. Okay, I'm sorry. I thought you saw it. I didn't. You know, like, hey, dude, don't you think with all the talking I do that I would say something? <laughs> Folks, I don't listen to her half the time anyway. So it's like, I know, you know you're sitting there with your eyes closed. I'm like, oh my god. If no, I no, I'm like. No, but anyway, so they have these images and and they coin these these crayon images. And if you look back the the Pixies Kesara Sarah, yeah. a lot of those same pictures are in that. Okay. And if you look at it, it's the boy in white, it's the it's just a bunch of different images. It doesn't really matter what the images are. Yeah. In the sense of it's all foreshadowing. Of yeah. what's going on. And this is where, if you're doing this rewatch with us again, you know, and I need to do this too. I want to go frame by frame with that intro and just see what images are there. Because yeah. I have a feeling in season one, it's gonna it's gonna tell us a lot more. And in season two, I bet you they change stuff. Just enough and add a couple of things and, you know, put a couple of extra things in there that and again, it's not. And and Lizzie, please don't think that I'm trying to throw a bombshell on you. It's little subtle things. No, I didn't notice it. I love it. Are you kidding? Like my mind is blown. Yeah, no. I mean, and again, you know. But he talks about, you know, the lake of tears and the this and the that. Yeah, in this, he says that he saw the lake of tears. It was a drawing on the wall. And that's when they overlay his voice with Victor coloring. And we're in Victor's room, you know, and it's right. We're going between Victor's room and the RV. And, you know, they're scanning the pictures. And he says, we're in all we're in the pictures. And my point being is Boyd and Christy think that he might be something special. They don't know what that even means, I think. Yeah. I really believe that because of the whole seizure thing. Because he's never had seizures before. The fact that there's two cars. Yeah. The fact that, you know, they're surviving this RV thing. Yeah, right? like they all survived. At this yeah. point. I think there's a lot of coinkinks or a lot of coincidences that are are going on here. And I think that unfortunately and fortunately, you know, you had said in the beginning, this is a puzzle show and not that I'm not on board with that, but I mean, doing this rewatch, I understand what that means a little bit more. Oh, the puzzle show. I mean, yeah. I understand what a puzzle show is. I'm just yeah. saying, I understand there's just a lot 
that we're just not seeing. And, and, you know, I go to some of the other people that, that, that do some really great jobs of doing the show just like we do. And there's a, there's this one lady and I've actually reached out to her to, to maybe even help us a little bit on some of the theories that are out there just because you and I don't have time to, to think of all the theories. And she has a theory. It's like, instead of a theory of the week, she has a theory of the day and she's wonderful. I mean, the jumps that she can make, you know, is yeah. amazing, but, but, you know, taking that, as I like to say, that hundred thousand view of the town, like I like to take now that we're starting to get into a little of the nitty gritty, you're starting to see some of this stuff. And I still go back to right now, you know, we talk about the Cromanacle still in play at this point of the show. And just keep that in the back of your mind as well. Is this a quest? Because we asked Jim slash, you know, Ian Bailey, you know, when he was in there, because I actually happened to rewatch our interview today. I just it's watched just, it too. <laughs> it, just, it just popped up on yeah. our TikTok because I, I think you reposted it or whatever. I reposted it. Yeah, yeah. that's why. And I'm just looking at it. I was like, and the thing is now either he was really acting well or something, but he he kind of take he took a step back when we asked that question, you know, is Jim on board with all this with Ethan? And I think the answer is, you know, the answer to this whole world is yes. Meaning I think there's the Cromanacle, there's the Kui kids, there's the other entity. I think there's a couple of different paths that it's all taking and it's all going to converge. Yeah. Now you can take the whole Donna Mole thing, and that could be another part of it. But I'm not really. Uh, that's not all not but you know what? There's so many facets to this, right? You know, and when but, they pull that friggin' leg out, they pull that rod out. I got to tell you, I mean, I'm an EMT, and I've seen some gross things, and I think they they made sure they got some extra squishy stuff sounds in there because that was effing gross. And I love the fact that, you know, and again, it's TV magic at your finest. They pull that thing out and then she's just stitching him up and he's like, fine, like nothing happened. He lost like a whole friggin' gallon of blood. And I think it's because he's not really present because he's taught, you know, they get it out and he starts talking about how he saw the Lake of Tears. And, you know, there's all these crayon drawings that, you know, like I used to do, Dad. And we're all in the pictures. Like he's talking. It's like he's distracted while she's doing that. Now, I could be wrong about the pictures, uh, the placement of them, but I'm almost certain that there was other flashing flashbacks. To, uh, yeah. I mean, and, and he, if I'm wrong, folks, I'm wrong. I, you know, I mean, I watched the show before we came on, but at yeah. the same time, you know, you can make a mistake. Yeah. And, and we have never been a podcast that says that we're always right. We're oh, just we're really, yeah. No, but I'm just saying we're yeah. just really big fans of the show and we want to have some we fun. We just like talking about it. We're kind of panning through Victor's room while he's drawing and he's drawing a picture. But I noticed he's got seven lamps on in that room and oh, it's still not even me. that bright. Wait, are you shitting me? He's got seven lamps? There's seven lamps. And of course off. there's seven there's lamps. seven lamps on. There could be more. No, there's probably not more because everything has to do with seven. The Akui kids, the, oh the grandpa. I mean, what's her name's grandkids are seven. You're you right. Know, 
You're right. I mean, everything is sevens. Yeah, you're right. And that's your lucky number for today. My point is it wasn't even that bright in that room with seven lamps on. He is working on a drawing. Yes. And it's a car, an orange car, and it's crashed. It's like T-boned another vehicle that's on its side. And it looks like a milk truck. Yeah. It doesn't look like the RV. And the grill on the front of the that vehicle on its side, it just made me think it was a truck. Plus the rear view, not the rear view, but the side mirror was much bigger than the regular car mirror. Of course, it's a kid drawing it, but still. And it looked like the truck had been on fire also, you know, or the white vehicle might be on fire. Yeah, the truck. But it, the way Ethan was talking about it, right? If he, they're going through the room and they're showing different pictures, but you don't really see detail on anything. And Ethan is, and we're in the pictures, right? Now, my, the thing that we know about Victor in his pictures is in the second season, he said, I draw things so I won't forget them. Then, you know, he comes to the realization he had thought someone else drew the pictures. Then he realized it was him that had drawn the pictures so that he could remember, right? But if he is, if Ethan is already seeing crayon pictures of them, maybe either Victor's sister drew those pictures or Victor drew them and didn't realize. Maybe Victor's sister could see the future and Victor draws the present. That's the difference. Okay. That's all I had to say about that. No, that's um, awesome. I mean, I like, I'm just like kind of soaking it all in, so to speak. Yeah, it was just, you know, that. And then we go back to the colony house and Kenny and Katri, Katri on the stairs. On the stairs. They're going up. <laughs> I love this. Can you move? Oh, wait a yeah. minute. No, that's not there. But no, not on the stairs. Oh, wait a minute. That's at the end of it. They come up to, the, and then Kenny sits down and falls asleep. And then that guy comes out. And I'm like, what's the point of this guy? But I mean, can you move? You know, we're not supposed to be here. Yeah. You know, at least, you know, leave some space. But Kenny's walking up the stairs and he's talking about his dad's dementia. And the doctor said that it was progressing really rapidly. And the doctor said, he said, we should make sure to lock the doors at night. Yeah. That was something I had to be concerned with my mom. But still, you know, as far as I know, I'm not in Frumville. But his father still gets out and... Kenny and Mrs. Liu, Tian Chen, have to go find the father, right? And they find him and they realize, so one night he wanders out of the house and we didn't know where he had gone at first. He took the bus all the way to the city. My mom was so angry. We drove to pick him up and she kept saying, how could he do this? You know, he knows better. And I'm just like, mom, he has dementia. He's not trying to piss you off. And so Katri says, you know what? The important thing is that you found him, right? And Kenny says, on the drive home, I kept thinking we we have a second chance now, you know, to do things right. 
and Kadri says, and then you saw the tree. And Kenny says, and then yeah. we saw the tree. So they were coming back from the city, whatever city right. that was, because the father had wandered off and they had to go get him. So I know we were talking at one point that Kenny would, they had picked Kenny up at college and they were driving back, but this is something else at any rate. Then Sarah's in the shower and oh God, this whole scene is just so weird. It is weird, right? It's and, they're not brother and sister, but they are, but they're a little incestuous, but they're just they weird. weird. Yeah, right. And and, and then they've got like, help he me, fell Nathan. Asleep not knowing she was wasn't in the house. Oh, please. He's an idiot. The whole storyline, I just I, I don't know. I just have a problem with the storyline. Yeah. So anyway, he knocks and on then, the door and she I mean, says that she didn't oh, have a choice. No, she does. She no. She says she has that little story that she talks about. Oh, but that's after. Yeah, I'm just saying. Yeah, that story. All right. So then they're on the lower floor, and Gina has put Mr. Lou to bed, and he says to her that this place is scary. The night is scary, and I think that they told him, and so he's afraid, right? And, you know, she goes upstairs and she because she's going to bring a dinner to Toby and finds him dead and then sees that the door is open and Smiley and the glasses girl are standing there, just standing there. Mm -hmm. And it makes me wonder, can even if there's a talisman and the door is open, they can still come in? Yeah. Once the door is once the seal's broken, you're fucked. But. The thing about, like, when Boyd found the talismans, that space was open in front of him. He didn't have a door. I don't know. And then Christy has a bad dream in the BRB because... Wait, you have to repeat... You know, you, it, it, it stopped after what? You froze. I did? Yeah, you froze on my end. Oh, I don't know what I was saying. You were saying... So she sees Smiley and the oh, because Boyd found the talismans, but he had that open space in front of him, and yet they still couldn't get in. And the next day, the talismans on the floor, you know. Christy has a bad dream, she falls asleep in the RV, and she has a bad dream that, and this could have happened because Jim is, I don't get all this that Jim takes the talisman out of the window and then a monster comes through one of the windows and it's scary. And then it's the next morning and they leave the RV and everyone's reunited. So that's good. And then we're at back with Sarah and Nathan and she tells him this weird story about broken glass and how, you know, it used to be something. And remember when Kenny breaks her little figurine or her ornament and that's broken glass and it used to mean something to her. So foreshadowing there. And I don't know. She says, I hear their voices and it's just like the broken glass. They told me I had to look like it was the monsters. I didn't want to, but they said it was the only way to save us. It was the only way to go home. 
And then Nathan's, what did you do? But I know, right? I don't know. I don't, I feel like someone's just screwing with her. I don't I think, think she's, yeah, I think she's gotten a bad friggin'. Yeah, there's no way they're going home. She's slightly nuts, you know, and they just took advantage of her. So the van drives to the clinic and it's this overlay because she's still sitting there with, with Nathan and she's, I left the door open. Kenny sees that the door open and he runs in and Christy tries to stop him. And Kenny sees the talisman on the floor. And then, you know, Katri's let me go first, but you know, Kenny just charges ahead and, you know, he sees his father and it's so sad. Oh God. And it's just heartbreaking on so many levels. And the way these monsters destroy things, I did want to say something on a side note. You know, yeah. the, the woman that played the nurse's aide. Yeah, uh, Gina. Gina, the, the actress herself, Jessica Allison, is just recovering, I think, from some major knee or leg surgery recently. And, you know, she's an actress, uh, a Canadian actress, and I, we follow her on Instagram. And, and oh. you know, she's got, she's got a, a, a long road ahead of her. And, I mean, she's on the mend. Uh, I've tried to talk to her about possibly uh, coming on, uh, to talk about from and whatever, but I think yeah, she's she, a little busy. <laughs> yeah, she's a little bit. No, I mean, she's a little busy, but she's also, yeah, I'd love to talk about it, you know, yeah. keep her mind off of stuff. But, but yeah, no, I mean, they, you know, they find, they, Kenny finds, finds them and it's awful. And, you know, he loves his dad. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, and it's hard to see somebody that, their mind is not where it should be. But, yeah. you know, I think you make a very, this is a second episode that you've made a point that I never really thought about. Does he have dementia or is he on a different level with the monsters? You know what? I don't that's, know. I mean, that's a really good no, point. No, because you know how every once in a while, like I hear hospice nurse stories and, you know, how people that older people that are dying and, and they will mention that people are here to get them and stuff like that. And happened to my grandmother. Have, yeah. They'll have happened to my father. Yeah. Happened to my father. When my father was dying, he was at the hospital. I wasn't there because I was at home. But how old he, was he? He was 50 years old and I was 13. Yeah. And when he died, uh, he was in he had a massive heart attack. He was in in the hospital and he started talking to his mom. Now my grandmother, his mom, and I say it like that died when he was a baby. Now fast forward to my grandmother, my mother's mother. She started talking to all of her sisters who were, who had, who had also passed and she just got really delirious. And you know, the thing is, when it comes to death, and I know this is kind of a, a weird topic that we're going to talk about, but I think it's important. You know, there's an old nurse's saying, when someone dies in a house or in a room, you keep the window open to let the spirits out. Yeah. And, you know, you need to have the body do what it's going to do, but you also have to have the spirit do what it's going to do. And yeah. I know you kind of work in that world on a part-time basis with your side job of reading reading cards yeah and i don't say that i don't say that lightly because you know supernatural stuff is still supernatural stuff and i don't think there is a 
I think there is a reason for wacky stuff that goes on in the world. And I, you know, you look at someone like that, that he may have had dementia, but it could have been something else. Who's to say that it may not have even been dementia. That's the thing. The the thing is, who's to say that from didn't pull him before he got there to get them to that point. And, you know, again, death is a weird thing because hearing is the last thing to go. And, you know, I say that in my CPR classes. I talk to my patients when I do CPR. I want to try to, you know, because you never know. And, you know, there is the physical and there is the mental. And we don't understand how it's connected. I mean, all the technology in the world, nobody can figure out. And maybe I'm wrong, but I mean, you know, you've got your spirit and you've got your body. So uh, there's something to be said. It's a meat suit. That's all it is. but, But that said, why? I mean, and you look at this. How about this one? Let's say it was reversed where Mrs. Lou was the person that was in this problem. It wouldn't be uncommon for someone like Mr. Lou to die six months later from a broken heart. I mean, that happens all. I mean, it's not really a broken heart, but that's what they call it, where the significant other dies right after the the one. And it's usually the male that may live out longer than the female where they they say they get they die of a broken heart. So, I mean, there's a a lot of levels to this, which really it's part of the show, but it's not. But, you know, then they take the van and they drive it. (gasps) Excuse me. Then they drive it to the site and everybody's happy. They got the beautiful music. You know, before that, Christy thinks that Jim is going to open the open everything. And and then everything is great. Yeah. But I think the important thing about this is there's two things. I'm going to go back to Colony House in one second. But then the last scene is Kenny chopping that wood wildly. It's actually not the last scene. It isn't? No, it's the. Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. I'm sorry. You're right. I'm sorry. I'm looking at my notes. I'm sorry. You're absolutely right. And he's crying on the tree and he's doing all this. Yeah. I'm I'm looking at my notes as I'm saying the wrong thing. Right. And when he's talking about that, you know, how him and his dad, that was their thing. And I look at, you know, and people that are listening to this, you know, you have a relationship with your parents, you have a relationship with your kids, you know. I have a relationship with my daughter. We do certain things. You yeah. know, we podcast together. We we do whatever together. And he just makes that point. And he also made the point of as much as I hated doing that friggin' chess, it was like their thing. Yeah. And then right after that is the scene with Boyd going back home. And I love this because they they focus in on that 96 nights of safety. And yeah. now he just looks at it and just rubs his hand of it, and away we go. Yeah, but it's over. Back to the, zero. The one thing that I want to say before we get to the last scene, and I think this is really important, because I think this is a, an important point of the whole show. This is a chess game. And these monsters, they play chess. They don't walk fast. And this is what Kenny says. It's, you know, no matter how many times I play with my dad, he always wins because he's just waiting for me to screw up. He's waiting for me to screw up. It's the same thing in these, it, the people. They left the window open. They open the door. They do all these things. And, they're, and then and what these monsters are doing is they're playing the long game of chess. Yeah. And I think that's really awesome 
how he equates the passion of what his father does to what this really is. Yeah. It's just a large game of chess. And then like any horror movie, and this is why, you know, we've said this before in the podcast that the, this show is kind of like each episode is almost a movie. And I love how they set it up. You know, everything is fine, right? We've got the Matthews family in the family bedroom. It's Julie and it's Ethan and they're well, all recovering. It's this just the area they're sleeping in down. I'm just saying, no, but I'm just saying everything is great. Everything is yeah. good. It's daylight. And Ethan's looking at the window. And Wait a minute. You, you skipped over something that's very important. Okay, please. That, then, because then. Julie is doing the story again. And instead right. of being a bratty sister, snarky and all that, and trying to scare him, it's light. It's fun. And... This time they haven't run out of time so that let's see, Norman, they made it back from the Lake of Tears. It wasn't too late. You're going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. And she stops and she sees that Ethan is looking out the window and she's, are you all right? And he's up and she's, what are you looking at? And he says nothing. I don't know if he says nothing. No, I think he says, oh, nothing, nothing. But Julie puts the puppets away, and then we see the boy the in the scariest effing friggin' thing. With because the... we don't know what it means. Shh. Yeah, because he does this, and we don't know what that means. We still don't know what it means. But Ethan kind of he doesn't he kind of puts on the same smile that the teen boy did when he got shot. I'm gonna tell you right now. I remember when I watched this for the first time when we first podcasted about this, and I still remember how I felt. Holy shit, where's the lights and turn it on? And where's my wife? Because I do not want to be alone right now. And that scared the crap out of me so much. And I just can't even deal. But yeah, but yeah no, I mean, I, I think that that was awesome. Yeah. You know, do you have any do you have any final thoughts to wrap up this episode? I just, you know what? I know it took me six hours to write this thing. But I enjoyed every minute of it. I loved it. I don't no, know. No, it's great. I, I mean, I'm really looking. For... What about you? No, I mean, uh, no, I, you know, it's, a, again, it's another great table setter for me. Yeah. Not that it was a table setting episode, but it kind of was in the sense that we're still trying to figure out what the hell's going on in this. Yeah. Um, but folks, you know, a couple of little uh, housekeeping items. Again, if you could su- subscribe to our YouTube channel as well as uh, give us a like um, on our Instagram and TikTok and all that good stuff. And again, if you're into merch, we got our merch just like everybody else. Just go to Etsy and what is from shop because, you know, you can get cool stuff like my Frumily shirt and all the bracelets that you can want and make. But (laughs) next week, no, Valentine's Day is coming and nothing says I love you like a Donna bracelet. I mean, come on. Well, it's not even that. It's like the coffee cups. I, you know, I think. Yeah, nothing says I love you like I. You need to declare. You need to declare. Declare your proclivities. Your proclivities are coming. Yeah. And 
That said, next week we are going to be doing season one, episode three, Choosing Day. And we, when you want to talk about the shit hitting the fan, this is where it hits the fan big time. It in does. terms I don't of even dis- remember. In terms of decisions that are being yeah. made, the way people are going to talk, the way there's a lot of tension from yeah. certain people. It's going to be a lot of fun doing this rewatch. Maybe we'll find something else. And folks, if you have any uh, feedback, please, if you want to send it to talk at podcastica.com, you can do a voicemail or you can do our email at wait, hold on. It's from, from epics podcast at gmail.com. And I promise you, we actually do check it. Uh, And there's, yeah, there's nothing in there right now. No, there isn't. No, but we actually should do a post. That's yeah. the problem. We we need to start doing posts on the Podcastica Facebook page. Yeah. Um, so happy <laughs> from day, happy Sunday, and yeah. we are going to be back next week. But before we do, we're going to let our favorite bell ringer and our favorite engineer take us out. Have a great night and stay safe tonight. Get you home. Let's go! Come on, get in your house! Let's go! Come on! You know, that never gets old. No, it doesn't.